Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the UK commodity markets by Jason Durden, our Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management. Now, Jason, we've not been short of things to discuss in terms of the energy markets recently. Some of the high prices perhaps moderating a little bit. What's been going on in the power market? Jeremy, yes. So, uh, we, we've seen significant volatility, I suppose, of late, but we have also seen markets off of the very top. About a week ago, we saw markets find uh, what looks to be a little bit of a temporary low point. This week has seen, I think, um, some relative uh, strength pushed back in, but only really in as much as uh, some of the uh, the expected uh, benefits from gas um, haven't really moved into the power market. What we can say is um, the stability or the relative stability this week pretty much has been given by a little bit more um, resilience in the system this week. We've actually seen uh, six gigs of nuclear being pushed into baseload, which uh, obviously with uh, wind dropping this week has uh, has given us some benefit. A lot of sort of that late summer, early autumn maintenance coming on, Haysham back online. Uh, Tornes has gone off for maintenance. But as I say, we haven't seen six gigs of generation from our nuclear fleet for, for quite some time. And that really has kind of given a little bit of a boost to um, sort of the overall system stability at a time where we're still soldier to fortune on uh, the uh, irregular uh, rhythms of wind power, which does look for this week to be below um, seasonal norms again. Indeed. And as you say, I mean, wind's hugely important as part of the portfolio of low carbon power generation. Great when it's blowing, not so much when it isn't. Solar too, but again, at this time of year, not producing as much as it would do in the summer. So nuclear, hugely important component in all of this because it's sort of continually available for scheduled maintenance. So knowing that more of that capacity is available this winter than might otherwise have been the case if if there have been further problems is is presumably rather good news and i gather there's been news in the longer term as well about potential funding for new nuclear projects yeah so i mean definitely any more stable base load is very welcome in a market that really has been dominated by a uh, you know a headlong rush into power um, as we've discussed many times. But in terms of the government, only this morning has officially backed the Rolls-Royce small modular reactor project, um, which is going to look into uh, fundamentally using ship and submarine technology to produce 500 megawatt generators and reactors, rather than obviously the, the massive scale that we're seeing on sort of um, uh, Hinkley C and uh, rumoured uh, size well replacement. So I think if the government is, and it's going to be controversial, of course, as all nuclear is, but I think if the government is actually uh, going to be anything like pushing forward for 2050 without having rolling power cuts and just being completely reliant on intermittent power, then I think nuclear at this stage of the game cannot be written off. It certainly needs to be uh, included in the outlook and for a relatively small investment of, I think, £215 million at this moment in time, the government, in my opinion, is right to, to push forward on all technologies because ultimately we'll still be burning fossil fuel in 2050 if it's that or the lights going out. That's probably the reality of it. 
Well, quite. And uh, wouldn't it be great if we can get the sort of cost reductions in small modular, modular reactors of the sort we've seen in, in offshore wind as a result of um, deploying a larger number of individual units? We'll see. Uh, and ditto with the possibility of this regulated asset-based model for funding size. We'll see if that goes ahead too. But turning now to, to carbon, you know, what's the situation in the UK carbon market? Previously, you talked about a bit of a divergence in UK and European prices, but I gather there's quite a degree of convergence again now. Yes. So we saw um, before the actual uh, worst parts of the explosion in gas and power pricing, we saw some anomalies in the carbon market where we saw um, the spread, the difference between the price for UK carbon allowances and uh, their sort of nearest counterparts, the EU ones, move up from sort of around parity, a couple of pounds either way of parity, to a, a huge £21 uh, a tonne. UK carbon was £21 a tonne more expensive at the end of September. And that kind of unwound during October, but is now back to around two pound a two pound a ton, and is um, you know back into sort of the um, what we would see as normalised over the the bulk of the life of this contract. Obviously, a new market, obviously a small market, a market that is easily moved by, should we say, perhaps a, a lot of interest one way or the other. So I think some teething troubles for a fledgling market, a relatively small market. And I think um, definitely a clue to us that uh, watch these things to sort of, um, if you can't understand what's going on in a new easily or relatively easily distorted market and it doesn't look right to you, then stay well out of the way. Probably sound advice, I'm sure. And turning to gas, which of course has been in the centre of this story uh, for so long with the hugely uh, inflated gas prices until recently, starting to come down a bit though now, which will be a relief to consumers, I'm sure, and indeed um, energy suppliers. But we have seen some LNG flows into the UK, haven't we? Well, what's the situation there? We're seeing pretty strong LNG flows and uh, obviously the tankers uh, in which that is being possible. We've got five or six on the board for the rest of this month, having had two or three already. I think that's pretty good. We're seeing them from Qatar, which is key to sort of the long-term contracts into the UK. We're seeing them from diverse places like Peru. And 40, 50 MCM a day in a market that's got total demand of 225 250 at the moment is uh, significant i mean really the only other major single source of uh, gas that's um, or pipeline is uh, langeled which you know since the beginning of november has been pretty much uh, at maker's name capacity just over 70 mcmd so there's been uh, a relatively comfortable system although of course that does come at a price the weather has been relatively kind to us a couple of cold spells and it looks like it might dip off a little bit more but temperatures have been just fractionally above seasonal norm and that's really kept a lid on demand below what we would expect seasonal average at this time and you know a lot of uh, speculation over Russian flows into Europe and the knock-on effect that has into sort of Norwegian gas availability into the UK amongst others but we've seen the Russians having really perhaps muddied the waters a little bit last week by reverse flowing some of the pipelines and taking gas out of Western Europe to where we're now seeing this morning that that looks to have settled down and uh, it does look as if that 
the, the Russians are now actually putting some gas into the depleted uh, Russian-owned storage facilities in Germany and Austria. About 15 MCM a day improvement over today, but you know, put that into context, Nord Stream 2 will be flowing 155 MCM day at capacity when it is fully commissioned. So Nord Stream 2 really is the you know still remains the the answer to the problem if you like and, and the sooner that uh, progresses the better i mean i think you know we can see that in the price structure spot prices of gas about one pound 80 a therm and uh, the forward winter around the two pound mark just under the two pound mark um, i think you know massive improvements on where they've been but um, certainly not back into the uh, long-term ranges that you would expect to see i mean two pound is still a huge amount of money for a therm of gas well, quite. And uh, as you say, Nord Stream 2 is key to sort of relieving some of the tension here in Europe and hence on the UK market too. It's very difficult to disentangle the politics from, from other market pressures at the moment. Who knows exactly what's going on in the minds of Gazprom or the Russian government there? Uh, probably elements of commercial activity and probably one or two other things going on as well. And it is interesting, isn't it? The UK government, uh, there's been reports in the Financial Times and elsewhere of, of the UK government leaning on Qatar to be equivalent of a supplier of last resort to the UK. Some might say we should be paying more attention to our own gas production uh, offshore or possibly onshore. But for this winter, there's not much that can be done about that. You know, do you think the government's taking the right sort of actions ahead of this winter? Or is it something we're just going to have to cross our fingers and hope for the best? I think the latter is absolutely where we are, because I think you could argue the the, the two major projects, one uh, on the Irish Sea and uh, Obviously, um, RAF itself, should the UK have abandoned long-term storage, you know, that's possibly a debate we could have and, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But, uh, you know, ultimately the UK is largely a passenger in this. In as much as uh, it's an EU and German issue in terms of the approval of Nord Stream 2, the UK, even if it was a still a member of the EU, then, you know, it, it would have limited sway in such affairs, you know, so largely a passenger to, um, you know, the bigger global politics, I suppose, that's going on here. Absolutely. And, 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 and lastly, turning to coal, which might seem a bit surprising, particularly with all the news in the COP26 climate talks and so on about moving away from coal, uh, which the UK is already committed to. But we do have a couple of coal power stations still left on the British system uh, that are contributing to security supply this winter. And coal, of course, incredibly important for German and other major power markets in Europe. So what, what is this coal situation? How's that going as far as pricing is concerned? Well, the European coal market in terms of paper traded market remains very much, you know, a proxy for what's happening in China and the large players in the market. We saw coal peaking for 2022 delivery at 190 US dollars a tonne. And we haven't seen anything this sort of magnitude since um, the 2007 commodity run before the 2008 crash, really. And uh, M-1 winter coal was peaked at about 280 $300 a, a tonne. Um, but we have seen massive intervention from the Chinese because obviously it's a you know, command economy. And they have basically told their markets that uh, the ridiculous prices that were being achieved would not be stomached by the party and they would uh, bring um, sort of uh, limits to bear. 
that seen some massive correction lower in uh, Chinese coal pricing, which has uh, rippled around other markets, of course, uh, and not least of all the European market. And also we're seeing uh, better production figures coming out of China after all of their floods and uh, various restrictions on mining capacities and all the rest of it being lifted. Um, so better news on coal. We're, you know, as I said, we're seeing prices sort of around 60% of their peak now for Cal 22. And we're seeing prices approaching sort of um, about 40% of their peak on the uh, on the winter side of it. So all of that is taking pressure out of the market, perhaps in terms of um, those markets that are more coal dependent or have more coal switchability. Um, the, the probably given that COP26 is in full flow, probably the what people don't want to understand is that correction in the coal price makes coal more attractive than gas yet again. So perhaps even more pressure on the Germans and the EU to actually get Nord Stream 2 um, sorted and, uh, and moving on, if only to uh, reduce the uh, carbon impact of uh, heating and uh, fueling uh, generation this winter. Well, I hope you're right about that. And we see some movement. Uh, and thank you for explaining the situation so clearly. You know, energy pricing is local and regional, but of course, the impacts on those markets are, uh, you know, can arise from as a result of international developments, which we all need to understand better. So I hope you found that interesting to listen to too. Do have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. Have a look at our reports there and look out for another podcast from us again soon. 